Hello and welcome to the Football Fives podcast. My name's Daniel Story, and tonight we are doing a show all about Five Live, BBC Radio Five Live, and I guess BBC Radio Five Live Sports Extra, perhaps. Um, I've got three people with me, and they are the normal three, funnily enough. I've got Christopher Nee. Hello. Hello there. You all right? I'm very well. How are you? Very well. Uh, is Sports Report the best tu- uh, best tune in broadcasting? It is. It's even better when you can't hear somebody eating their dinner over it. <laughs> yeah, is that <laughs> you pushing a spoon around, Ryan? Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I mean, that's your that's your classic backbeat. And right when he says Ryan, he means Ryan Keeney. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Daniel Story. You all right? All right. You? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Excellent news. What are you eating? Um, it was um, some beef stew, and it was very nice. Good. I didn't ask you how it was, but fine. Uh, David Hartrick, how are you? Not bad, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Dropped from a five-a-side football team last night, David Hartrick. All right, Mal. Mm. I don't go around airing <laughs> your dirty laundry. <laughs> and let's be honest, there is Pro- plenty of soiled underwear yeah. I could be waving in the wind. Probably good news. Um, yeah, all about Five Live tonight, which is, um, I think I'm speaking for all of us, is our favourite uh, sports news radio station. Or does anyone have an affinity with the great talk sport? That would be me. Yes, I knew that. But do you prefer Five Live or not? Um, it's it, it's close. Uh, you see, the problem is, mm. I don't think there's much comparison in that they may operate within the same genre but there really isn't much comparison between their output. Now, I know it's very easy to make a joke, insert joke, in that place right there, but Five Live covers it from one angle, TalkSport go a different way, and TalkSport have a huge variance in their approach from show to show and from host to host. Uh, so it's it's difficult to compare, to be honest, but I, I, I do probably listen to quite a bit more talk sport than I do five live in truth scum um <laughs> that is a supplementary question we have got five actual ones uh the first of those is has 606 which I'm sure everyone listening will know is the um kind of tea time or sometimes later on phone in uh has it run its course has it aged like a fine wine or has it stubbornly held its position and Chris you can go first Oh, thanks very much. Um, hmm. <laughs> Tough. I, it, I I think it's a question worth asking because we shouldn't overlook the value of 606 to our football culture simply on the basis of tradition or heritage. Um, I, I think, you know, we've, we've had our little nod to Sports Report already. Uh, and that followed by 606 is a pairing that connects me to my, my footballing childhood and, and is you know still there pretty much intact nowadays. Um, Quality-wise, I think it, it totally depends on which day you listen to it at the moment. Um, Sunday nights, generally Kelly Cates and Ian Wright, they still hold up their end of things, I think. Uh Righty, particularly on that show, is a bit of a diamond, really. I think he's, you know, we all know that he's got this born entertainer tag. and He's brilliant. 
It's, it's, it, it, he marries it with knowledge and insight as well. Yeah. And and I think the thing that makes it work, Dave, I think it's, it's, it's that he takes 606 seriously. Mm. And it really suits him when he does it. You know, he's not on there playing a clown. Uh, but at the same time, he's not scared of an opinion and isn't just one of those shelters of opinions that might appear um, in other areas of, of sports broadcasting. Um, and I think we've definitely spoken about Kelly Cates before. I don't know if we've done it on actually on the show. We probably have, haven't we? Um, I think she's a proper football presenter um, and a, a really good broadcaster and, and the chemistry between them serves the show really well. Um Offsetting that are Saturday nights, which frankly are pretty embarrassing um, for the most part, I think. Um, I, there's there's no broadcaster in the game that I like less than Jason Mohammed. Um, his Adrian Durham impersonation is pretty horrific. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, the lowest common denominator is looking down on him from some height. Um and he's there with, with Robbie Savage, who actually, by and large, um, I think if you compare Savage on 606 now to Savage on 606 three years ago, um, he's actually come on quite a long way. His, his days of primarily being there to villa bait um, are... That actually doesn't work when you say it like that. Um, <laughs> are, are behind him, and I think he's... he's he came on a lot after doing Fletch and South for all the time I spent taking the piss out of that show. Um, he does still have a couple of habits that are a bit disappointing. And I think that the, the pair of them are getting a bit of stick at the moment because um, I, I, I think I've heard 606 on Saturday night maybe 10 times this season. Probably half the time that I've heard has been spent defending Mark Hughes before, <laughs> during and after his sacking. Um <laughs> And Savage using the fact that he was a player as his trump card when he disagrees with the caller yeah. is something he comes back to far too often. You've never played the game. Um, You've never played the yeah, game. Exactly. That's all he says. Well, it's not you Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Neither are um, you, Ryan. So I'm I'm probably saying it's kind of held its position. I, it's the, the golden age is behind it. Um, you know, it's not Danny Baker's pirate ship anymore, uh, and that's what real football phoning should be about for me because who cares about real football? You know, the game is immaterial. Um, but most importantly, football fans are idiots. And we've always been idiots. But for various reasons in the modern era, we're not ashamed to be idiots anymore. Um, so the calls are generally pretty woeful. Uh, and I go way back with 606. You know, I, I, I used to like it when David Mellor did it, much to my embarrassment. Mm. Um, but it's it's it's... It's evolved. Um, it's kind of grown into its role as a, a form of social media almost. Um, and I think there is a lot of good stuff under the 606 banner still. Um, but Saturday nights are a wasteland. <laughs> uh, go on, Dave. Um, I, I agree with lots of things Chris said. I think... When Fletch and Sav did it for, I think they did a couple of seasons, Savage was very new into the um, punditry game and he, he thought it was all about reactions. And I, I think I think the model you look at with Robbie Savage is Ian Wright because Ian Wright used to be very, very much like that. You know, the, 
they used to bring him on for England games like some sort of celebrity cheerleader and he's learned how to be the pundit that he actually wants to be and I I I'm hope Robbie Savage is sort of on that course himself because I've actually seen Robbie Savage on BT Sport you know the extension on a Saturday night yeah. and he's he's actually very good he's pretty engaging so he's like a different bloke isn't he yeah so he's 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 learning and he's learning not to be himself which I think we can all agree is a good thing um <laughs> but I <laughs> It's so dependent on its hosts. I mean, as you say, Chris, on a Sunday, if it's Kelly Cates and Ian Wright, it, it's, I'll sit there doing the standing, well, say sit there, stand there doing the washing up and what have you, and it's a, it's a brilliant listen. It really is. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't mind Jason Mohammed as much as you, to be perfectly honest with you, Chris, but I have perhaps more of an affinity because I've spent a lot more time with him presenting the snooker um mm. so i don't i don't have a great issue with him but it is a real product of of the people that are on there as for the callers i, I think if you go back in time i mean I, a bit like you chris i never liked richard littlejohn doing it but i do remember the david no. meller era and i remember listening to it a lot in the david meller era and football fans don't change really <laughs> it's it's we just go round in great big circles, and uh, you get you get these spells where I think it depends on who your crisis clubs are and who your particularly batshit group of fans is for that week and are going to phone up. But I think the thing is that it, it there was a time where it got left a little bit behind by some of the output on Talksport and in other places. But I I sort of see it as settled into a position as a bit of a I don't know a bit it, it, it's an icon now isn't it 606 it's a broadcasting icon in my humble opinion as as much as sports report and everything else is so I feel it has settled into its little groove I feel it is cyclical you know if you if you don't like this season's teams don't worry because there'll be another one along next season um, and you might like them better I just I I I like I've always quite liked six oh six. I've always engaged with it, and I'm, you know, it's something I am happy is there and happy that it exists. Ryan, do you think you need to be a special kind of football supporter to bother ringing up on a phone in, sitting on hold, and then talking to one of those aforementioned people about your club? It's quite a weird thing to do, isn't it? So is recording a podcast every Tuesday night um, with three of your friends so I I am I am reluctant central I am reluctant to while I agree there is something about people that phone in to 606 as it is now um, that I wouldn't want to necessarily associate myself with um, or or describe as level but yeah it, it takes a certain type of a certain type of opinion and conviction of your opinions, I think. I, th- I think the weird thing for me, and and I think this was prominent when I, I think when I listened to it most most recently was Robbie Savage's first or second season, and he seemed to make a point of trying to, like, almost trying to prove that he was right compared to the um, the caller that would phone in, and that to me goes completely against phone-ins. I was reading a book, and I think it was something published by Oakley, but I can't remember. Um, which talked about phone-ins and, and somebody... That would be Roger Don um, Getty's excellent yeah. from the back page that, to the front that room. Was, 
that's the one. So I was reading through that, and there is there's some excellent interviews in it about kind of the the first phone in back in the seventies uh, or eighties, and one of the hosts was talking about it, but saying, look, it wasn't um, necessarily about trying to take a piss or or have a joke at the expense of the caller. It was about lifting them up and making them stars of the show. Mm. And I think some of that is has been lost. Well, it's started. Case. Actually, it's about lifting up the callers and, yeah. and letting them go off because some of the best calls will be the those ones where you just kind of let them have their opinion. I, I understand some people will have some ridiculous opinions and, and after losing a 20-match unbeaten run, somebody phoning up saying the manager should be sacked, you know, can be rightly uh, told that they're, they're talking relative nonsense. But I just I think that was the one thing that Danny Baker was incredible at. Um, mm. I remember listening to him, especially he wasn't on that or he wasn't on there all that long ago. Like I think around the time of the Arsenal four four um, against Liverpool when Andre Arshavin scored four goals. This is it's sticking in my memory, but I think that was two thousand and eight. And he, I remember listening to our radio stuck in traffic around Edinburgh, and he lifted every caller up to level of superstardom and, and was very much on their side let them have their, their stage to, to talk about their opinion and, and go for it whereas others don't mm. I've the reason I'm going last is is I've never a bit of a false case in that I've never been a fan of the phone in in general really I would listen to sports report and then would probably I mean partly because I was only a half an hour journey back from home games as a kid for Forest, I would turn off and would never listen to 606. Um, in terms of running its course, I think I think before the internet, the phone was kind of the, the place for fans to let off steam other than to each other, um, i.e. in the pub after the game. Um, and maybe that meant you got a little bit more reasoned debate in that this was their only... Arena and I, I guess 606 had a fairly long and steady queue of people wanting to be, you know, wanting to air their opinions so they could kind of weed out the worst. Um, and I, that's probably been lost now, I think, mainly because, you know, because of social media, everyone's got a reaction and it's generally angry. But I was never comfortable with the idea, as Ryan, and I think you probably all alluded to, the idea of a host going, well, this is why you're wrong. To me, that is generally six oh six was callers that have been to the game. The idea, you know, the, the 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 idea back in the day that it was someone in the car or in the passenger seat on the way back from an away game, and they were having their little rant. And I thought, Do you know what? If you've dri- driven or travelled two hundred miles, and you're on a phone and they're inviting your call, the mm. least you can do is go, "That's your opinion. Fair enough," and move on. I didn't like it when it got to that. And maybe what maybe I'm being unfair on Savage. Maybe it didn't start with him, but in my head it did. That was this is why you're wrong. This is why I'm right. Because I thought, well, that's not the point of a phone in, really. Um, so in terms of holding its position, I think it probably has done that. I mean, I don't think it's any. I'm sure there's fewer listeners to radio in general, but I don't think six oh six would have lost its market share in any way. No. Um, I think it probably is as good as it always has been. But yeah, not. Not for me. It I'm did. Afraid. Ryan's right, though. It did start from a place of positivity. It started the first sort of football phoning was done on local BBC radio in Sheffield, and it, the idea was to sort of big. It, it was a place of positivity, but it's like mm. everything else, isn't it? That so, somebody realizes at some point, hang on, negativity <laughs> gets an even bigger mm. reaction, and that's what ruins everything, isn't it? Yeah. Agreed. 
Um, right, we're going to move on to question two. Um, the question is, should there be more football on Five Live? I thought I'd just give a little bit of information before I turn to one of you, which is that the BBC spends £66 million a year on Five Live out of a, a budget that is many, many, many more times larger than that uh, and spends £6 million on Five Live Extra, according to the latest figures, which seems phenomenal value for money. Um, but should there be more football on Five Live, David Hartree? No. I think it's a it's a national radio station in part funded by a licence fee. It should cover as as broad a church as is humanly possible sports wise, which mm. I think it does a pretty good job of whilst all the time football also dominating a huge proportion of their output, certainly in the evenings. And I think they get the balance just about right. And I, I you know, as you alluded to at the start, Dan, we're talking about two radio stations here. We've got five live mm. sports extra to cover extra live events, etc. And in these in the world of digital radio now, you can flick between the two easy enough. You're not fiddling around with dials or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I, I actually think they do a good job. I, I <laughs> We'll go on in another question. We, I want to touch on some of the other sporting things that five live do. Um, but no, I, I think it's fine. I think they've got a really good balance and I think they've got some pretty well-educated people doing some pretty good things on there, all in. Um, I'm coming to come to you now, Ryan, and maybe phrase it slightly differently. Would would it make sense, because Five Live is a, is a news and radio channel, would it make sense to have BBC Radio News, BBC Radio Sport and split that up into two, or are you happy as it is? No, I'm happy as it is because I think Five Live gets a happy medium and and gets gets a happy medium with the kind of bands they they have. Dave mentioned Talksport, and I think the the obvious comparison for people living in the UK and and apologies to any of our international listeners that no idea what we're talking about, but you are really missing out because it's they are two pretty good sports radio stations, and to have both of them operating is is delight. But I would worry that if BBC Radio Sport became a thing. That they would have to change tact at times to uh, yeah. necessarily keep listenerships up, and they'd end up just mirroring um, what Talk Sport do. That that's yeah, that's you, the thing. They'd they'd end yeah. up just going in direct competition that they don't really need to engage in. No, and I don't, I don't think they they uh, anybody would necessarily buy into that. Or uh, and it's not what we need. I like the, the there's a balance. I like that when you um, tune into Five Live Sport. You more or less get what you're expecting, and it's it's relatively reasoned um, debate on whatever sport that they're talking about, pro- primarily football a lot of the time. Um, so I, I'm not convinced that having two separate stations is the way to go. I like okay. Five Live the way it is. I like that there's a spread of sport. I, I like that they. I love um, some summer weekends and and kind of end of football season into the kind of start of other sports and, and the kicking off that um, spending a lot of time driving up and down to Scotland to see in-laws and, and other family members. You can get in the car on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon at half eleven and Five Live Sport will take you through the day. There will be a couple of football commentaries. There will be updates on rugby. There will be updates on tennis if Wimbledon happens to be on on Saturday. There will be... It, you will bounce around and the next thing you know you're five hours down the road and, and hope that there is a nice spread mm. that they, mm. they don't just tunnel in on something. 
Um, I mean, I first kind of read the question when I was answering in should there be more football, and I read that kind of read that as live football, which I think I don't think there needs to be, certainly don't think there needs to be any more live football. You know, for example, this week, you know, depending on when people are listening to this, but Five Live had Swansea versus Sheffield Wednesday on Tuesday, Spurs Rochdale on Wednesday, Arsenal Man City on Thursday, which admittedly is a bonus game. Um, doesn't have Borough Leeds on Friday night, but you know, as Dave said about internet radio now, that's on BBC T side. It'll be on BBC Radio mm. Leeds. So you can kind of, you can listen to that if you really want to. Um, so I definitely don't think it, it needs to have more live football. I think it does a perfectly good job with that. In terms of the only thing I would like to see more of um, in terms of the football coverage, and, and I know everything is a balancing act and, and I'll, you know, I'll... I'll offset that by saying I think it does a brilliant job and I don't think any of us are really in any right to criticise because it's a phenomenal station but I would like to see more of the documentary side of things I think they are things that can work really well on radio and even reasonably recently they've had the Jimmy Armfield they've had a Graham Taylor which is not just the best radio coverage but the best coverage full stop of those events because they give them the time and the the license to to go into them deeply Um, and they do them properly and they've got phenomenal contacts and they use them very well so I would like to see more of that Um, but I can also see that that's probably something that's hardly that's hardly a for the masses suggestion so we say that's probably what I want rather than what the majority wants Um, and the other thing I wondered is whether they cover enough European football because uh, they don't really cover it much anymore. Now that might be, you know, a deliberate decision. It might be just a time factor, and mm. the Premier League is kind of all-encompassing, and it's very hard to do anything else well if you're doing that well. But yeah, that was my only I think, wonder. Uh, just to touch on that, Dan. I know Chris is is poised by the microphone waiting to answer, but again, if they did, they would now be in direct competition with Talksport too, who do mm. a. I don't care what your feelings are towards TalkSport, and you may hate Adrian Durham, etc., etc. TalkSport Talk 2 is brilliant. Yeah. Um, some of the some of the specialist interest sports shows on there, I have listened to, even though I have no, nothing but a passing interest in the sport involved. Andy Brassel's European football show on there is basically the best thing on the radio. They have European live commentaries on there. They effectively have a uh, a, a soccer Saturday service, but f- uh, for European football at European football kickoff times. So I think again, you're in a situation where that is covered, and that is, uh, you know, that is covered, and that is mm. is not something the BBC need to go into direct competition with. Yeah, I mean, European. I suppose Talksport Two is a relatively new concept. Um, so I suppose, yeah, there's certainly no point now. Um, I guess they spotted the gap in the market. But uh, again, their budgets are bigger, aren't they? And they've got more scope. So, Chris, go on. Um, well, I'll be brief because I think the three of you have covered what I consider to be pretty much the truth of the matter. Um, so I will instead come from a place of personal um, and irrational opinion. Uh, there, there is already a lot of football on it. Um, I think, as Dave said right back at the beginning, the balance is pretty much spot on. Um, and I've I've no beef with the other stuff being there. Um, but 
there's nothing worse than going to a game, getting in the car, putting on the radio, expecting sports report, and getting rugby commentary. And <laughs> there are few things in this world that can make me as angry that aren't genuinely worthy of making me angry any more than that. Um, because it's such a it's so much about being a creature of habit for me with with Five Live. I I don't like that. Instinctively, I I understand that it's it's there for the masses and not just for me. But um, uh, in the split second before that rational response kicks in, um, not being able to just flick on the radio and know what I'm getting and know that they're serving me as a football fan um, is, is is really frustrating. I, I think. The reality of it is there's plenty of football on Five Live. Um, and, and as you rightly point out, there's there's other places to go for it as well. Um, I think the fact that we're asking the question um, about Five Live rather than talking about TalkSport 2 specifically or inventing a new station um, reflects the connection between the station and football fans and the quality of the majority of its football content. Um if there was more football on there in more regular slots, I'd happily tune in more often as a football supporter. Um, but I think in terms of expanding its football um, offering, it's worth reflecting on the fact that some of the football content on there now, as it reaches kind of probably football saturation point, isn't the best. Mm. Um I understand where this comes from, but chucking second-rate podcasts on the air doesn't promote quality football content. Um, mm. Proper original programming of the of the type that you spoke about, Dan, um, that's far more befitting of, of, of Five Live. But the reality of it is it's there for non-football, non-sport um, news purposes as well, and I think it does a pretty decent job all round. Ah, good. I'm uh, well. I'm glad we're all. I I knew we would be all fully on the five live is brilliant train. No more it's, football. It's nice. Uh, I'm going to answer the third question first, and the third question is: Does it get any better than radio commentary? Um, I'm going to sort of flog myself a little bit here because I I I don't think it does get any better than radio commentary. Certainly not of football would be my caveat to that. Um, because I'm not an obsessive about any other um, sports other than football and cricket. Um, and I think radio commentary does both of those better than TV does. Um, unfortunately, the reality is that I end up watching football a lot more than I listen to it. Um, that's actually, I think, I was thinking about it earlier, and I think that's a compliment to, to Five Live and radio commentary, because I think when you listen to a game on Five Live, you end up becoming kind of engrossed in it um, because you're having to absorb it through, you know, the medium of of listening to it rather than just blindly watching it. Um, I think you inevitably kind of get caught up in it a little bit more. And because I work in football all, all day, uh, sometimes if I want to watch a game, I, I want to have it on the telly with the sound down so I can just kind of move in and out of it and I think Five Live because of how good it is stops you doing that um, but if I went back and got every radio I'd owned between the ages of 4 and 24 and 
managed to get them all working now the, the station that every one of those would be tuned to is five life um because i did religiously for 20 years listen to football commentary on five live because we didn't have sky and not everyone did and you didn't miss it because the the product you were getting was so good and so definitive uh so no it doesn't get any better than that for me ryan go uh, no is the, the general answer but it becomes tedious if the game's bad um, yeah fair if the commentary team is Alan Green and Mark Lawrence and they are watching a bad game of football then there are many places I would rather be than listening to that on radio commentary otherwise uh, it's splendid if you get Alan Green and Mark Lawrence in front of a very good game then it's as enjoyable as any 90 minutes I think I could spend doing anything. Mm. I, th- I think you made a good point about you focus a bit more, I think, when you listen to sport on the radio. You have to you have to picture what's happening in your mind so you're you're more conscious of, of things. And sometimes goals will be better in your head when you've listened to them on radio commentary than they actually turn out to be on the highlights later that evening. That's not yeah. a bad thing either. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Dave, go on. Um... Yeah, no, I I do love a good radio commentary. I I listen. I cannot stomach. I know lots and lots of people love them and hold them up for all sorts of reasons, but I just can't stomach Jeff Stelling's parade of pricks on a Saturday afternoon. So listening to a radio commentary where I'm also getting the scores as they're going round the grounds, you know, I love it when the goal scored somewhere and we have to go to whoever at so ever and all that sort of thing because you become you become engrossed in the whole afternoon not just the game you're listening to but mm-hmm. I, I just think in general I think there's something about sport and radio commentary that I, I have have any of you three ever listened to boxing on the radio no, no, it's it mm. if you ever listen to really good boxing commentators it that does the same thing. It just draws you in in a way that sort of watching it doesn't for me somehow. And it, it's it's the test match special thing as well. I I quite like mm. cricket, quite enjoy cricket, but I can listen to test match special for five days, whereas I don't I don't think I could sit down and watch <laughs> five days worth of a test match from the first ball to the very last. So I do yeah. think there's something about radio and and sports. Apart from rugby, which we all know isn't a real sport, I'm not even sure it's a real <laughs> thing. But um, yeah, I, it does. Does it get better than radio commentary? Yeah, it does for me. It get if you get the commentary on a game on a Saturday afternoon when there's thirty or forty odd games going on around that we're skipping to every now and then. So it's sort of a yes and a no, really. But the the long answer to it is well. No, not really. It's brilliant, isn't it? You're going last again, Chris. Sorry, but yeah, it doesn't get any better than radio commentary. I, I, I'm not comparing it to TV really because I think they're such different disciplines, um, and the skills are so different. But I think if you were to push me on it, then I would have radio anyway. Um, the thing you you don't get five minutes of pointless nattering at the start of a radio commentary. I don't understand why TV commentators do this easing into the game thing. Does my head in. Um, and 
on TV, the fact that you can see what's going on means that it's possible for a commentator to get things wrong in the eyes of the audience. It's not possible on radio. So you allow yourself when you're listening to a radio commentary to be drawn in in the way that you've already described um, and not have the fourth wall broken by the fact that you're shouting at the commentator on the television. Mm. Um, I think because of that, um, radio commentaries can be more exciting. Um, There's this kind of a purity about the experience um, and making it so exciting is a real skill. And it's a skill that TV commentators have as well. Um, but I think uh, radio commentators use the space created by the lack of visual to kind of paint their picture. And so many of them, especially on Five Live for me, are really very good at that. Um, and it's 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 driven, I think, just by the need to tell us what's happening. You know, it's, it really is that simple uh, when it comes to radio commentary. There's no second guessing how often you need to speak or letting the game breathe or anything that, that can lead to a commentator talking too much or too little or not telling you something. Um, the the radio stuff just works really well because you are completely immersed in what the commentator is seeing as, as the, the flow of the game. Um, I also think it's worth pointing out that with, with uh, Brian Moore and Barry Davis and, and you know John Motson as, as he was out of the picture, I think it's just a simple case of the best commentators at the moment are now on the radio. Um and indeed, the ones that, that, that do a bit of both, I would argue, are better on the radio. I think Darren Fletcher's better on the radio. Um, and I think John Murray and, and, and Conor McNamara are better than anyone on TV. So I think they're different skills, radio and TV. I think I prefer and find radio more exciting. And I, I like that it gives me the room to just get pulled into it without all the other temptations for having a go at stuff that... I find so irresistible when I'm watching TV. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. I, I think it's it's unfair. It's almost unfair to compare. It's a very obvious thing to say, but it's almost unfair to compare radio and TV because TV has the added benefit of being able to go through your eyes as well as yeah. your ears, which is, as I say, is an incredibly obvious thing to say. But I think we kind of forget that. Yeah. We kind of forget that radio is having to do both jobs for us do you and yet the fact that we sorry go on do you do any of you three remember england games on channel five yeah because they got jonathan pierce in and jonathan pierce he's not he's far from my favorite commentator but he's a lot better than he was but at that time he could not make the distinction you're talking about dan so he was treating a television commentary like a radio commentary and yeah. literally saying everything you could see. And what the really good commentators do, the, the Barry Davises, the Brian Moores, etc., it's where they leave the silences. It's where they let you draw your conclusion. It's where they let yeah. you see things develop. And that was such a stark contrast. But it's only looking back now as I'm prone to do on what Joe Barton calls the old YouTube, that you realise that's what he's doing. At the time, he got, I mean, he got a load of stick for it, but he was just doing a radio commentary on the TV. Mm. It, um, so that's a, a specific skill to television, which um, you know, we shouldn't overlook. There is uh, an episode of the By Association podcast on commentary, 
Um, I, the, the the chap who is interviewed on that, um, as well as Adam Hurry, actually, um, is a TV commentator, and he talks about having to make that adjustment and how how that is a separate skill set, um, and how it's quite difficult to do. So you know, we're not we're not here, um, you know, jumping on TV commentators for no reason. Mm. It's just a different thing. Mm. Yeah, and but and and five live managed to get the best of the best who again a very obvious thing to say but they don't make you miss television they don't make you miss the fact that your eyes can't see what's going on it's it's an incredible talent and one which i think we probably take massively for granted um right question four who is the queen or king of five live and i'll even give you a one of each if you want uh go on chris go first this time chappers um chappers yeah i i I think the guy's a, a, an absolute gem anyway, yeah. uh, but he's five live sports glue and he he does the lot and that is how he holds it together because uh, he, he knows and loves football. Starting point for me, absolute 100% necessary. Um, he's knowledgeable and quick to learn about other sports as well. Um, so he does the full remit of what five live sports over you know hours and hours and hours of broadcasting over a Saturday afternoon, yeah. um, he lends authenticity to conversations about every level of football. I, I never feel like he's trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes or doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, and that's from being able to speak very knowledgeably about the Champions League, all the way down to you know my sort of level of football. And I feel like he understands football culture from the top to the bottom. Um, He's a good presenter and anchor, very important in his role. Um, but he's, he's he's good at the chat and he's a good interviewer as well. So you know we're already starting to build up a picture of a um, a, a hell of an all rounder. Um, and then on top of that, he's able to to have a laugh with those around him when he strikes up a, a decent partnership with um, a huge array of pundits that show up on the, the, the various bits of Five Live that he does. Um, he works on the full range of football programs on the station. You know, he's he's there anchoring around commentaries on Saturday afternoon. He does the magazine stuff on the weeknights. Um, to me, he's just he's just the perfect fulcrum for for five live sports output. Um, and as a little bonus, he's he's got lovely little ways of letting the listener know that he thinks the person who's talking at him is a dickhead um, without letting that person know it. <laughs> yeah, he he is. He, 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 you've reminded me that he. We're recording on Tuesday, uh, and on Monday evening he was named uh, the Sports Journalism Awards was named Best Presenter, uh, and it's kind of he's not been on Twitter for or social media at all for a while, chap. As he kind of said, it got him down for a bit, but he he came on on uh, on Tuesday to kind of say thanks everyone. I'm not really doing Twitter anymore because I don't really like it. It gets me down, but this is brilliant, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And obviously being him kind of talked about his talent to people around him. And the Twitter is a very strange place in that you can be incredibly positive and someone will always be there to call you a twat for pretty much no reason. Um, Sorry about that, the, the re- Yeah, no, it's all right, mate. I mean, I do deserve it, that's the difference. Um, but the, the replies to him are just overwhelmingly yeah. and totally positive. Yeah, Do you know he's a lovely fella, a proper yeah. pro and a lovely fella. He really is. Um, right, we have we're moving on for time. So Ryan, you go next. Um, I I can't really necessarily fault 
Chris's argument too much for Mark Chapman, but I'm, I don't think I'm quite ready to let go of Mark Pugach as my king of five lives. Go on, Pugas. For largely, I think the same reasons that, that Chris has mentioned, that I've never, he, he, he knitted everything together brilliantly, and, um, and Chris's time with that um, made complete sense as I was, I was thinking about it. He, you know that when he started at 12 o'clock on the dot on a Saturday afternoon, that he was going to steer the good ship five lives all the way up to six and, and beyond if needed mm. through a host of sports, speaking to uh, Cornelius Isaac at the racing, trying to make conversation with Chris Waddle at the football, react to any breaking news and live stories that were happening, um, switch over to Twickenham to you know make Matt Dawson sound interesting and just sound like he'd done his research, sound like he'd spent the week just reading everything that he could about all the sport that was happening that weekend so that he had every angle covered and, and anything that happened if somebody was dropped and knew why they were, what uh, injuries were they had. He just just was a consummate professional, which is exactly what you need in, in that kind of a show. That The beauty of, beauty of a, a show like that where you're on air for so long is that anything can really happen. Um, mm-hmm. Five Live is, is brilliant at this and some of, their, some of their FA Cup third and fourth round weekends over the last years have been amazing because they know to put as many commentators as many grounds mm. as possible. And where the action is happening, mm. they go to it. And, yeah. and you need an anchor that can hold that together yeah. as well. Um, John John Murray does it brilliantly. Conor McNamara does it brilliantly. But, and Pugach and, and Chapman are brilliant. So yeah, Pugs is still still my um, my king. Um, mm. Adored him. At, uh, adore him on ITV. I think he is exactly the man you need for. 10 minutes of intro into a game and, and get on with it. I, I think um, he is Brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It, the thing with Pugat is, I mean, I've worked with him a couple of times, and he is just oh, he, there he oh, is. dropped a name. He, he is. <laughs> I mean, that's not dropping a name because Ryan dropped it, but fine. Uh, he, he's so he's almost, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but he's almost too professional. It's almost so polished, and he's so good at what he does that it looks effortless. Uh, which kind of underplays the amount of work that I'm sure, as you say, Ryan, I'm sure goes into it. Because the ITV stuff, for example, it just looks like he's he's tapping it in. And he is, but he's doing it perfectly every time. And yet it looks so easy. He is a, he is an absolute consummate pro. Uh, you mentioned um, mine, Ryan, so I'm going to go now. Um, I had two names I was thinking between. Um, and ordinarily, like we talk about our... You know, we talk about our World Cup, the one that's nearest to your 10th birthday. If you're Five Live guy, your, your voice of Five Live, the voice of your childhood is the same, then mine should be Mike Ingham because he joined in, mm. I think, 92, um, which, you know, I was six years old and that kind of takes you through listening to those games and the time when it's really, you know, entering your football soul because you're taking on so much information. You're just a sponge at that point. But mine is John Murray. I think probably... Largely for, um, well, partly he's he's brilliant at what he does. He he joined a little bit later. He joined when I would have been twelve or thirteen. But um, he is kind of the voice of, you know, he's the voice of of Five Live. But also because of his his actual voice itself, um, he is a a Northumberland man. My family were all from the northeast, um, so there was something about that, you know, that accent that kind of got into my soul as well um, and he is he is again absolutely brilliant at what he does the the, the thing Five Live and the BBC in general do 
um, better than anyone else's is, is their recruitment. It is just phenomenal. I know they have a network of, of local stations that it's very easy to pick the best from, but they just never get one wrong, really. Um, and if they do get one wrong or I disagree with one, then they've normally appointed them for reasons, i.e. someone like Robbie Savage, who they know is a kind of a good get. He never played the game. Like he never played the game. <laughs> but someone like Murray is just... I mean, he is just... That's terrible. Don't tarnish it. He is an absolute pillar. He really is. Uh, go on, Dave. Um, well, I, I think it's probably worth saying, because I don't think we've mentioned it up until this point, we're picking a king or queen here. Hovering above, in an ethereal sense, is Jimmy Arnfield, who we have yes. spoke about before in the uh, commentary fives. Uh, you can listen to all of our thoughts there, but the man was a a genius and a gentleman, and deserves the highest of praise we could possibly give him. Um, for me, it's Danny Baker, and there's a, there's a mm. few things I want to say. Really, first is. You are all absolutely right. Twitter is not the vehicle by which to ingest Danny Baker's output. He is not good <laughs> on there. And he, you know, I, I regard myself as a huge fan and I can't follow him. Um, but an awful lot of the approach taken, both serious and non-serious, by Five Live and Talk Sport are following templates set out by Danny Baker in his various guises across various shows. Uh, you spoke before, Chris, about the serious side where he was lifting callers up. No, was it, was it Ryan, I think, mentioned him, um, where he can lift callers up and just revel in the absolute joy of football. But Johnny Vaughan called him the master of spinning plates radio, and I've never come across a better description which is where Danny Baker is at the best where he will in a very literal sense give you a list of topics and just sit back and let the callers come in and comment accordingly and it is just wonderful still to this day is wonderful and some of the very funniest moments are like there are people listening to this and if I say the words Dundee United and Bowtie they will immediately start <laughs> laughing because it's just yeah, the, one of the greatest ever football stories there has ever been. When you listen to that back, as I do probably about once every six months and laugh like a drain every time I do, you it's it's Danny Kelly's absolutely creasing himself with laughter and it's Baker's gentle probing, prodding, and and just little asides as the the story of a nine year old boy going asking his dad for a bow tie to receive a one foot wooden one to wear to football games. It's just absolutely brilliant. So I think it, I I can't argue with any. You see, this I think this speaks to the quality of of Five Live in that I'm making this case for Danny Baker, but I also couldn't actually argue against any of the cases you three have made either. So I think that just goes to show that... And I think the last comment I want to make is just again touch on something Ryan says. It, it does, when you talk about King or Queen and you can come up with four different people and you cannot mention Kelly Cates... Uh, who is also excellent on there, and Eleanor Oldroyd and various others. With TalkSport as well, we are incredibly blessed in this country. 
in that we we do have these two brilliant sports stations to listen to, really. And I think it's worth saying. It is worth saying. It absolutely is. Um, We'll move on to question five, which is uh, a little bit more hypothetical rather than us pouring praise on a radio station as much as it does deserve it. Um, If you had an hour slot um, every week to fill on Five Live, what would you fill it with? I'm going to go first. I was kind of umming and ahhing and I thought, you know, I've mentioned their their documentaries before um, and how brilliant they are. Um, and and if I was going to listen to one thing on Five Live every week, and that was there was a documentary about even something on football I don't know much about. In fact, more if it was something I don't know much about, it would be that. Um, but in terms of a new idea for something they do, uh, I I one thing they don't do ever is really apart is re, apart from a sports report is replay their bits of commentary or replay some of the stuff they do. I wonder if it would be worth them doing a kind of... Best of. Best of, basically, yeah. Um, you know, and the timings of those sort of things are always very difficult. But in a world of iPlayer and catch-up, I think people might actually get on board with those sort of things um, and do a best of. Either of, like, you know, either of bits of their commentaries or what they consider to be the best analysis post-game or, or whatever. But I think that's a possible gap. And I'm surprised that they don't really do it but the fact they don't and they generally think of everything means that they probably will think it wouldn't work but yeah that would be my only suggestion um dave snooker just me and mark <laughs> selby in a room for an hour just talking snooker and occasionally cuddling that'd do me would you do one of those interviews where the two of you are lazily having a bit of a frame of snooker in the background <laughs> and just chatting away that or lying in a jacuzzi I'm easy. Um, no, desperate. I go desperate to not call this pot in the pink. By the way, but carry on. I go uh, one or two ways. Really, give me that hour at about three o'clock in the morning, tucked away, and I will produce you a massive podcast. In that, I'd just turn it over to like some quite detailed tactical analysis from specialists of a couple of games at the weekend, half an hour each, and I, because mm-hmm. I think with tactical analysis. I'm only speaking from a personal standpoint here. I I don't I'm not massive on reading about it, but I actually do quite like listening to it. Quite enjoy listening to it because it's it's quite easier to absorb. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Whereas I think yeah. when you're watching it, it's one of those. It's that drift thing Chris mentioned earlier. It's it's way too easy to pick your phone up and start doing something else. So I think I I don't think it should be on at sort of nine till ten on a weeknight or anything like that because you just wouldn't get the listeners but bury it away and you'd have an incredibly yeah. successful little podcast like you do with what they've what if they're quite smart uh understanding now is that you can do you know pre-recorded non-league football show whack it on it yeah and that's in the morning and it'll get iPlayed. and that's exactly yeah. what it would be it would be pre-recorded specialists just pick two games and i mean dan I wouldn't even be adverse if they... I know they'd have to go for the populist Premier League angle, so pick two Premier League games, but I wouldn't be even be adverse if they went for one Premier League and one European game. Um, mm. But the the only other thing I'd say, and I've mentioned it on here before, there used to be a podcast that I really, really loved, uh, which was Cafe Couch Show, which is still on iTunes. You can still go and listen to. And rather than being documentaries, they just used to pick a sort of timeless theme each week and get somebody relevant on um and it was always looking at football from a cultural standpoint and from a different standpoint and i 
I miss that podcast dearly and I still go back and listen to the archive regularly and I would I would turn it over to that. Christopher. Uh, number three, uh, the Star Wars Council. Number two, a uh, shout out for uh, John Nicholson who I suspect when we're all deep in the ground will still be out there banging the drum for his commentator symposium. <laughs> Um, which I, I think is a terrific idea. Uh, but some of the best stuff you read these days comes from in-depth player interviews, the kind of stories that that sort of do the job that social media fluffy bullshit pretends to do, this bringing the fans closer to the game, getting closer to the players that you love watching on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, those long sort of observer and, and independent uh, uh, and, and telegraph interviews they actually teach you something about the players. You learn things about their story. Um, so I'd, I'd be quite happy just looking at a, a, a weekly sort of long-form player spotlight thing, 22, 25-minute interviews uh, with a couple of players who've got a bit of a story to tell um, mm. and just injecting a, a little bit more quality into the, the world of football content. This, uh, uh, you know, that's something I would listen. It's very simple, but it's something that, that I think is, is working for the broadsheets and I think would work for radio too. Yeah, but if you've... Again, I hate to reference TalkSport, but I feel like I do have to fight their corner a bit. But if you ever, if you ever stuck for a podcast, Danny uh, Kelly's My Sport in Life, where he, he basically does that, Chris, uh, and the mm. archive's all on iTunes, and they cover sports, you know, sportsmen from all sports, is mm. brilliant. The, Absolutely the great. The other one that's... The other one that's similar to that is, and there's only been a few so far, is uh, Colin Murray. Colin Murray's at yeah. home with the Jimmy White one was brilliant. Oh, I mean, he, yeah, he is. That that is a phenomenal, a phenomenal podcast, and you can kind of, you can see the work that's gone into it, which is brilliant. Uh, right, Ryan, you go last, please. Um, unsurprisingly, I don't have any original ideas of my own. Mine was the um, weekend roundup that you mentioned. There is the Five Live Sports Daily, which is a, yep. a good podcast, but. I fear it expects people to be completely up to date with everything that's gone on. And, and sometimes on a Monday morning, you just want somebody to guide you through what's happened. Mm. And a little yeah. bit of commentary along with that mm. would be, and some analysis would be lovely. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's odd they, they, they haven't done that because Monday morning is when Guardian Football Weekly and Totally Football Show and, you know, Times Again podcast and et cetera, et cetera, are, are generally released. So it's weird that yeah. they haven't done but, that. And they would, but they would easily have the resources. I think in the BBC to have a producer get mm. that ready and out by one AM somewhere, so that actually when you wake up on your your first Monday morning commute, you're not necessarily listening to a podcast that is out of date from the weekend before. You've got something fresh that tells you everything you need to know about what's just happened and, and lets you carry on. Yeah, no, it's fair shout. I'm glad you agree with me. That's always good. Um, right, has anyone got any more to, any more to add? No. Nope. Nope. Good. Nope. I think we've absolutely nailed that. 55 minutes of pure five light, red hot chat. Um, you can find us in all the normal places, and those places are Twitter and Facebook. Uh, at FTBL5SPOD is the one that's going to give you anything. Uh, you can also email us at show at football5podcast.com. Uh, and we will see you and speak to you next week. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Talk sport forever.